Hey everybody, this is Larry Little and you're listening to Crossing the Line, a podcast where I talk with people about their moments in life when they cross that line from just leading with their head to leading with their heart. And today on the show, I have a conversation with Dr. Rebecca Teeters. She's an executive at at 3M uh, who lives in uh, Minnesota in the epicenter of all that's been going on today and and in the epicenter of that media attention. So we talk about that. We talk about racism. We talk about gender bias. Uh, we, We get some very practical tips from from Rebecca on what we can do uh, to, to stop some of that. Uh, so I want you to really lean into this. I'm excited about today's podcast. I learned a lot, and I know you will too. So let's jump into our conversation. We are here today with one of my favorite people in all the world. Uh, truly someone that I, I just genuinely like. She's She's a great leader, but she's a great person. Uh, her name is Rebecca Teeters, uh, Dr. Rebecca Teeters. Uh, she has a PhD in chemistry, so uh, that kind of makes her a geek. But but trust me, I, I, you know I don't I don't think you're going to think she's a geek when you hear from her. But she is incredibly brilliant. Um, she has served uh, three uh, twenty plus years at 3M. She's a very respected leader in that community and uh, has held several positions and is the go-to person really for the strategic thinking on, on the corporate level with their executive leadership. And she now serves as the global enterprise operations director for strategy and execution. That's a long title. That means she's really good at creating strategy and they really <laughs> trust her with that. And, uh, so it is, it is an honor and a privilege to, uh, introduce you to my dear friend, um, Rebecca Teeters. Thank you for being with us today, Rebecca. Thank you, Larry. Thank you very much. Super excited about it. We are excited to to have you. So first and foremost, um, thanks for crossing that line. I know this is a different type of podcast. We're going to talk about you as a leader. We're going to cross the line from just leading from our head, which is so important with all the principles and concepts to, to really learning about your heart and learning about what has made you who you are today. So thanks for being willing to do that with us today. And uh, I just, I need to check on you. How, how are you doing back? How, how are things going? Yeah, I think, you know, things are well, I would describe life as emotionally as pretty volatile right now, just around the reality of, of COVID and a global pandemic, as well as all the racial tension and, um, just a lot of stress on a lot of people and, and how that's impacting my family and my friends and the community in Minneapolis in particular, you know, being from the Twin Cities and the, you know, really being in the, in the middle of that has been, has been um, fundamentally depressing to some extent. But then I'm, I'm, there are days when I'm pretty excited about the renewal opportunity that this provides. You know, a storm creates the opportunity for renewal and it gives us the opportunity as a nation to, you know, to renew and to, and to challenge some of those legacy mental models and to come together and, and, and to embrace change. So there's, there's both some extreme um, depression and some, and some really um, emotional highs. You know, I, you are right in the epicenter of, of where this movement really began and, and, uh, have you have you felt uh, that the that you are in the center of everything? I mean, do you feel the spotlight on your community, or because you've been quarantined? I know not really. Talk to me about that a bit. 
Rebecca really gets personal here as she talks about her community. So listen in and pay attention as you get an inside look at what media attention, uh, especially negative media attention, can do to a community and can do to a person. Yeah, you know, it. it is strange to see the city that I love and that so many of my friends live in uh, viewed the way it has been viewed on in in the media it's it's not who Minnesotans are at their core um, so it, that that's been really that that has been very troubling so yes I think all Minnesotans feel like they, they are in the epicenter mm-hmm. and um, they want to address it quickly they want to address it swiftly they want to learn they want to change they want to teach um, and so even though you're at home and you're, you're not out necessarily in the middle of the community physically, it feels very close. It feels very real and very raw. Um, and it's, uh, it's pretty intense. So, so Becca, you are, if it's okay to, if I talk about this, you're in a blended family and yes. you, have, you have children uh, around you, um, younger and older. Talk to us about how you have dealt with this, this, this situation, that, because if you're in the middle of it, they're in the middle of it as well. Um, have you had conversation with them about this at all? Or talk to us about how you've dealt with that with your kids. Yeah, you know, we have had some conversation about this. We've talked about it quite a bit and we've talked about what we can learn from it personally and, and how important it is for us to do that, right? It's important for us to talk about it. It's important for us to learn. It's important for us to have a positive impact on change. Uh, It would be very unfortunate if we go through this as a community and we as individuals don't learn and change as a result. And so what we, we have done some interesting things. We've challenged ourselves to point out to each other if there's ever a moment where we are not respecting every individual around us. So if we uh, hear someone uh, make a a joke, and and, and maybe they mean it just in a joking way, but it has a a dehumanizing context to it. No, we don't allow that. We We don't speak in that way. We speak in support of every individual. And, and, and it starts with even in our own home um, in, in always speaking to every individual as though they have true innate value in the world. They're not just someone else, they are a human. They bring value to the lives of others and we have to speak to all of them as though they do. How has that been received? How, what, what are you hearing from them what is their comment commentary on all of this your children you know i think that in general um i think it's been both enlightening and confusing it's just such an odd um experience for them to even have these types of conversations um so that's been uncomfortable having to talk about it, having to have the conversation about and admit that maybe your behavior has been part of the problem, I think has been uncomfortable. But they've also been exceptionally receptive. And listening to their dad, for example, their my husband, their father, 
has been owns a construction company and has been out in the Twin Cities helping uh, small business owners and large business owners, you know, um, board up their facilities, rebuild their facilities as they've um, as they've gone back into them. And so having his perspective of being in the middle of it, hearing what he's hearing, uh, having him describe his learnings has been impactful for them. So they've been exposed to the epicenter and the reality of it. And I think it has fundamentally changed their perspective. And I think they are grateful for that. It's amazing that you can have those conversations, you know, with your children. And it is confusing because there's a narrative that we all agree with the evil of racism, but then you get others with their own agenda and their own issues and they parachute in and it muddies the water and causes polarization and separation. And uh, I'm sure their dad, has heard, um, you know, a, a lot of different perspectives and uh, he would be awesome to help them to sort that out. It, it sounds like it's, you know, it's simple. Racism is evil. And that is true. And we all agree to that, no doubt. Uh, but then you have all these other things that kind of parachute in and try to take, take, in my opinion, take the limelight off what the issue is. And that is the evil of racism. And uh, so, you know, right. And you know, the thing that's been interesting, my oldest son is home from college and he often points out some images that he'll see on social media or some comments that he'll hear through social media. And we talk about that. We trying to just, in some cases, just, just decipher and understand the opinion that people are trying to fundamentally share can be confusing. Like what, what does a, what, what does some of this mean? What, are, what do we think people are really trying to say? What is the hurt that people are really trying to express? Um, and having that dialogue with each other and deciding whether we agree or disagree and then deciding whether we will respond or we will simply listen, um, I think to me has been fascinating. And it's been kind of a reverse mentoring situation for me to hear the perspective of a 14-year-old, a 15-year-old, a 20-year-old. So think about that for just a minute. Stop and think about reverse mentoring. Uh, maybe she has the answer here to, to what we really need to do during this time, and that is to stop and, and listen to those who are younger, to those who have a different perspective, to those who have a different opinion. Um, reverse mentoring. I like it. How they view the world, how this is shocking and interesting for them, um, has taught me just so many things. You know, you bring up a great point. I've tried to do a lot of listening personally. I've tried to learn and grow and, and make the changes that I need to make uh, to, to help against, to, to help this, to, to fight this evil. Um, but it, but it has to, it has to be begin with listening, doesn't it? I mean, listening to our children and, and listening to the African-American community, our friends listening and learning uh, about, because I, I bet I've, I've talked to so many leaders across the, the country and over and over again, I'm hearing, we didn't know this. I'm, I didn't know this. I did. uh, and so I think it's, I think it's so important that we just stop and listen and learn before, before we make assumptions and, and, um, and before we create action. Yeah. The old adage of seek first to understand is so important right now. And when you really seek out, information and really listen, at least for me, I've learned often, maybe I didn't really understand. Right. I thought I understood, 
But when I really listen to some of my African-American friends who are describing how they really feel, which oddly is a conversation I've never had with them. I've had other conversations around policy or other conversations around perspective, but I have never sat with some of my colleagues and said, how do you feel as a human? How do you feel as a human? Uh, I think that's an incredibly important question that we all should be asking uh, to our friends in the African-American community uh, and, and to each other. I think it's where, where we really begin to, to try to gather some understanding of the person. Listen to what she says here. It's really good. Lean in. And when they describe how they feel, and it gives me such an odd perspective, I'm like, I don't, I, I, I never knew you were feeling that. I never knew that at your core you felt those feelings. And that really changed my perspective and helped me understand how I might have actually stimulated some of those negative feelings and, and not even have been aware that I was stimulating them. And I think that even for, for women, you know, I think we're, it's help, it's, you know, it's just, it's helping us express some of those core feelings as well. And people are listening in ways they haven't listened before. So it's, it's opening up a broader perspective around not only race, but on gender and a variety of other um, issues. Wow, what, what an opportunity. And, and you've just articulated something I think is, is core to, to moving forward in, in, this, in these, these days. And that is to, to understand maybe it's even about more than racism. Maybe, maybe it is about gender discrimination. And we need to hear that. We need to know that. We need to learn about that. I mean, I, I have walked with you through some difficult days as a woman in leadership where you have experienced yourself some of those um, things that just weren't weren't equal to be quite honest and, and and perhaps weren't you know they weren't fair what is that how has that touched you and, and as you kind of look at this from that perspective yeah it's interesting because when you when you step back and look at this regardless of regardless of the direction you look at it from whether it's race or gender or or any issue um, it, it is it's really fundamentally being able to truly put yourself in the other try to feel what the other person is actually feeling and and so when i think back now about my time in business and and i often defended that i didn't think i was treated differently i really didn't feel like i was but then I realize now, as I look back, I'm not sure other people really always understood what it felt like to be a female in that situation, how the women were feeling. Um, and, and maybe there were small microaggressions that were occurring that really had created a feeling that was difficult for women to process and know how to how to behave in that environment. So I think it's just a matter of really, I don't, I don't even know how to say it sometimes. It's, it, to me, it's just recognition of the, of the human across from you, not the, the role or the, the position or the, 
the opinion, it's, it's the human and, and really leading and listening from your heart to understand who they are, how they feel, what they need to be successful is something I think all leaders have an opportunity to, to learn from, from this. So put on your education hat for me, your educator hat, if you will, and educate me on microaggression because we've heard that term. We've all heard it. Um, but, but we've heard so much about it that sometimes we, I think we might discount it because some of the things that we've heard were just so out there, but it's a real thing. And what is it? I mean, give me some, educate me. Okay. Lean in here. You're about to get some really good practical tips. Uh, and to be honest with you, this is where I learned something. So um, pay attention to what she's about to say. I can think of some really obvious, to me, what are obvious examples. Um, I find it interesting that um, in some meetings, uh, we will interrupt people more than we'll interrupt other people. Um, so it's a, it might be something as simple as just a frequency at which you interrupt um, a woman while she's trying to, to lead a conversation versus how you, you might not interrupt someone else. And some of that's positional power, I suppose, that you're probably a little bit more respectful of higher positions. But I notice a few times in my past where I feel like I'm often not allowed to really complete my perspective and share it. Um, when you're in the office environment and you can see each other, um, are you looking, someone looking at their phone? Or all of a sudden, when when you are presenting, they're, they they lift their laptop laptop, and they're you know they're not really making eye contact. They're not paying attention. And so what it, what's that doing? That's sending the message of I'm not listening. I'm dismissing you as an individual because I'm I'm not paying attention. And if you just sit back and watch an environment, you can see some biases towards how people do that. And I'm not sure they even recognize the bias. That's why we call it an unconscious bias, right? It's sometimes something people don't even realize, but they will dismiss individuals and, um, or they'll ask individuals um, uh, their opinion, but they won't ask the opinion of the other. So it's those little microaggressions, like I'm not gonna actually call on you to get your opinion. I'm not actually gonna make eye contact with you and not break eye contact with you so I can truly listen. I'm going to allow distraction when it's you versus when it's others. It's those things that add up that over time may make a class of people feel like they're just not heard. Wow. And, they're, and they're not of equal value. Those are very specific things that we can work on that if, if, if we choose, it's just a matter of really choice, but personal question, because we're talking about crossing the line, um, in, in all of your career and not, not necessarily in any one time, um, would you say that you've been a recipient of microaggression? Oh, absolutely. I've been a recipient of microaggression in the last 24 hours. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, for sure. It, it's, it's not, wow. it's not a, it's not a rare situation. We all know this. Um, my husband and I were just having a conversation where I challenged him because I could see he was leveraging that against a female in his work environment. And so I said, listen, I, I think you need to step back and consider your perspective because I think you've made a judgment about her because of her gender. And 
you, you know, and maybe you're applying a broad bias here that you should rethink. And, you know, Brian, obviously the audience doesn't, but he's, he's so professional and so, yeah. and so good at learning that he yeah. is apt and, and really thought back around the scenario and came back to saying, you know what, you're, you are right. And then what was even more brilliant is when he asked from your perspective, how do I change that? You know, I almost missed that, what she just said. Brian said, from your perspective, he stopped and asked her perspective. And then he listened, and he was coachable. Uh, that's gold. What does it look like for me to do that? Right? So for him, I was just super proud that he listened and that he recognized the reality of the microaggression. And then he asked, what does it look like for me to not do that? Um, and those are the kinds of conversations I think ultimately make a difference. But he allowed you to have that conversation. That's yes, amazing. he did. And he says a lot about his, him and his leadership, actually, right? It, it really does. And I think what I'm hearing more and more of is people recognize people being willing to let you coach them in this time because they're recognizing that they have something to learn. Mm. Well, I think that's huge. We all have things to learn. You're teaching me right now, and I hope you're teaching those who are listening uh, or watching that we all could be guilty of microaggression, even if it's, you know, in, not consciously uh, in our, in our mindset, we, we, we are, we could, we could do that. And, and just to be intentional about not doing that, but having those people in our life who helps us. So talk about that for a minute, Beck, you know, as a leader, I want to talk about you for just a few minutes and, and, and let's start with, um, you have people in your life who have helped you to be accountable, I guess, at some point in your career. Go back on your journey just a bit and walk us through kind of how you've developed into the leader that you are and, and how and who perhaps or how uh, you, have, you have gotten to this place of leadership in this large something billion dollar corporation that totally trusts you to set strategic planning for them, um, but that you didn't start there. You didn't start where you are today. Uh, walk, let's go back if we could. And where did, where did this thing begin and where did you begin to realize that, Hey, you know, I have, um, I have a passion for leadership. Yeah. You know, I, I can think of a handful of, of situations throughout the course of my life that have changed my perspective on leadership and, and, and maybe helped me grow into, I, I hope the leader that I am today. <laughs> um, you know, as I think about my childhood, I my father was um, just so impactful in 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 teaching me the value of my opinion and the value of my thought and my worthiness as a, mm. as an individual and and never. Um, never feeling as though I had to like hustle for my worthiness, that the worthiness wasn't innate and that I, I should not, um, and that people will always criticize you. There's no way to win that battle. So um, be who you are and, and know that you are worthy and, and move forward. So that was a huge opportunity for me to, to be led by him as a child and, and that set the groundwork. And then, as I mentioned earlier, this idea of, you know, storms creating renewal. I mean, you and I, have you've helped me walk through a few significant storms in my life that um, luckily I embraced the growth mindset. So as I failed in that moment, 
I was able to see the failure for the value that it would bring me to learn that I needed to change my perspective. And very early on, when you and I first met, I had a significant career storm, if you will, that nearly led to extreme failure. And it was, it was through that that I learned it wasn't about um, it wasn't about positional power. It was about authentic connection with people. And, and I, I, that was a really tough, hard lesson for me to learn that just because I had the title, just because I had the position did not give me the right to lead at all. And I had to earn that right through authentic connection and truly caring about people. And it took me years to begin to act in that way every day. Um, it's a hard transition. It's a hard, a change to make and then you know after that I ran I had people like Kevin Cook in my life who who taught me the value of you know it's not all about the intellect for clarification purposes Kevin Cook is an executive at 3M who Rebecca has worked for and who has mentored her um, through the years it's about the intellect in combination with the, um, with the con connectivity, right? So now we're talking about compassion and we're talking about connectivity and we're talking about courage. And, and it really brings me back to, I, I, I hate to use a Brene Brown example, but you know how much I admire her and, and, and to follow her, but it is around that wholeheartedness and being a wholehearted leader, right? Having the courage to be your authentic self and not feel like you have to hustle for your worthiness, but being compassionate that other people don't have to hustle for their worthiness either. They are worthy of um, value and you should give that to them. And then the connectedness, the, the, the authenticity, the ability to connect with the human. Um, and so I think, as a leader, um, I went from believing that it was all about action, it was all about results, it was all about get the work done, and um, the positional power and powers of persuasion to do that, to um, knowing that it's about you know courage and compassion and connection and getting things done through people versus just getting things done. It makes me smile because I remember those days. And and in our vernacular, you're a, you're this strong lion with a camel mix and in this task-driven woman. Uh, how hard was it for you to to move from that task-oriented leader to really bringing in that people side and the EQ side? Yeah, it's still a challenge for me, frankly, because I live in a world where it's all about get results, get yeah. results right now. Now, get results today and when I can't do that I, I have a tendency to fall back into fine I'm just gonna force it I'm gonna push it I'm gonna be that lion and do that again and and um, so I've been really focusing on learning to coach better so that I can accelerate the ability to get through results through better coaching and and but it's hard because it's a natural tendency. It is who I am. And um, so what I try to do now is bring myself back to that when I feel the need to, to be a lion, I, I try to be a lion towards myself around coaching versus a lion towards others around action. Mm -hmm. and, and, and maybe that helps me, I don't know. Um, but I am also realizing through my own experience that it's, it's no fun to be on the receiving end of a lion, by the way. 
<laughs> that is so true. Uh, I have a few uh, really strong lions in my life, which are teaching me that it's no fun to be on the receiving end of that. And so um, I am learning a lot from them as well, that it's, it's better to be a lion to yourself in that scenario being versus being a lion to others, if that makes sense. It, it does. If you want to know more about this lion, camel, monkey, turtle um, personality stuff, there's a, a link in the show notes and you can check it out. Uh, think about your journey with me for just a moment and uh, greatest, greatest struggle that you can think of or, or, or one of your greatest struggles that along your journey that, that has helped you to become who you are today. <laughs> Wow. I, you know, my greatest struggle, I, I can, I can even remember a conversation with you about this. Um, my greatest struggle was learning a very hard lesson through a very rough divorce that um, I'm actually not expected to be perfect mm -hmm. and that failure is part of life and it's okay. And I think that was the hardest. I still struggle with this perception that I have to be perfect, that I have to prove I'm the smartest, that I have to prove I can get the most done, that I have to prove I have wisdom, that I have to prove. And again, it's that constant struggle of uh, hustling for your own worthiness. And, and, and I think that's the, been the hardest lesson for me to learn, that it's, it's okay. It really is okay to not to not be perfect and i think if i look back over the course of my adult life you know some of the biggest i wouldn't call them regrets but things i maybe would change if i had the opportunity were those moments where i let my perception i had to be perfect drive me to do things that um weren't really who i am mm. and and and, and seeking out that validation from others about my perfection. And I, I, it drove me to, to things that, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not proud of and, and hopefully going forward have learned all the right lessons from that to, to not do those things again. Thank you for that vulnerability. Um, and, and that means a lot. And, and I think that's one thing I've seen in you through the years is that your willingness to, to be vulnerable, your willingness to be transparent, your, your willingness to be self-aware and all of those are things that you've, you've worked on that, that you've accomplished. And thank you for sharing that authentic struggle. Uh, what about one of your true joys? What, what's been something as you look back on your journey of leadership, you would say, wow, this brought me joy. Yeah. You know, what brings me joy is, um, there's nothing more joyful for me than to stand shoulder to shoulder um, with an individual and connect and, and see and learn from each other. And so when I get the opportunity to be out in the manufacturing facilities and spend time with people mm. and talk about our strategy and bring it to life together through just connection and understanding and talking about how, how do we actually do this? To me, that's what brings joy is when you connect with people, not only emotionally and, 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 and you know, as an individual, but then intellectually, the strategy connects and all of a sudden it all comes together and, and people see it. And then you can, you can see the joy it brings to them too, because there's nothing more profound, I think, in people's lives in that kind of scenario than when you really deeply understand. 
And when you really deeply understand you can do better, you know, you do the best you can. And then when you know better, you do better. Right. I mean, and, and so when people learn, really learn, I think that's what brings me joy. I see it in your face. That that's awesome. That that's your passion, isn't it? And people, those light bulbs start coming on. It is. And, and, you know, I, I think you and I worked together years ago on that statement around, you know, leading my, my personal mission statement, right? Leading a life of uh, integrity and passion that helps others achieve what they believe to be impossible. Mm. And when they learn and understand, they do the impossible. So it, it all kind of connects. Yeah. Becca, you are amazing. And uh, I, I just uh, I've enjoyed hearing you, but I've learned from you today. And we've, we've covered a, a lot of topics from uh, you know, fr from racism to gender bias to what made you who you are. And I just thank you for allowing us to have a peek into your heart. Um, as we kind of close this time with crossing the line, I I'm wondering, in light of all that we've talked about, um, what do we need to hear from you? What do we need to hear from Becca? Maybe it's an inspiring leader. Maybe it's a leader who has been around a long time. Maybe it's someone who might not even consider themselves a leader, but, but they are because we all lead one person, and that's ourself at, at least. What do you want to leave us with, Becca? What do we need to know? Teach us. You know, I, I, I was talking to a, 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 um, an individual the other day who asked me a very similar question. If there was one thing you could teach me, what would you teach me based off of your time at 3M and your time as a leader? And, you know, I, I, I said to them, I said, decide how, what brings you joy. Decide what brings you joy. Um, and, and spend time doing that and, and allow yourself the opportunity to learn and grow, uh, through that process. So I'm not, I don't feel like I'm explaining very well. So I, you know, one of the things I often say is, um, you know, find happiness through the work, not through the achievement, mm. and then just let yourself go with it. I think it, it it's, it's allowing yourself to just know who you are deeply know who you are and then choosing the work that makes you happy but then as a leader recognizing that everybody else feels the same way there's something that brings them joy and part of your role to help them achieve help the company achieve or help achieve success is to help them achieve their greatness and and so be who you are know what makes you happy and do the things that allow you to find joy in your work and then know the people around you well enough to help them bring joy in their lives. And, and you guys will achieve things you never believed were possible to achieve. Becca, you just wrote a full leadership course for us. Thank you. That's amazing. <laughs> amazing words of wisdom uh, for a wonderful leader. Thanks for allowing us to, to just spend a little bit of time with you and thank you for crossing the line from just leading with your brilliant head to leading with your beautiful heart. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you, Becca. Thank you, Larry. Thank you so much. I told you that Rebecca was going to have some rich content for us today. I hope, I hope that you gained some, some nuggets around that. I know I certainly did. And by the way, if you want to learn more about who we are, uh, you can click on the link in the show notes. But thank you for listening to this version of Crossing the Line. You know, when we truly lead with our head and our hearts, that's when we make a difference.